What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. My sister dropped off my niece last night. I don't think she's coming back. To clarify, I haven't seen my younger sister Mara in a little over five years. She was a little over 18 years old, a few months pregnant, and was determined to keep her baby. I told her exactly what I thought. I thought she was an idiot, and that she either had to give it up for adoption, or I'd drive her to the clinic myself. We had a screaming fight before she stormed out, saying she was going to stay with her baby's daddy, and that they'd be a happy family together. Like I said, it's been five years. Five years and a lot changed. I tried contacting her probably a dozen times, but when she sent me a picture flipping up her middle finger, I got the message. I gave up. If she wanted to live like that, fine by me. She ended up blocking me on Facebook, she cut off both our parents, and I figured I'd never see her again. When I heard the doorbell, I thought that one of my friends stopped by to return a book they'd borrowed a few weeks back. They told me they were almost done and that they couldn't put it down, so I expected them to give it back any day now. I opened the door and there she was. I didn't even recognize her at first. She'd gotten a lot thinner and had dyed her hair black. But I recognized that cheap tattoo on her hand and the dimple in her right cheek. It was my baby sister. And clutching her hand was a little girl with rosy cheeks, blonde curls, and my sister's green eyes. Thomas. Her face broke into a tired smile and she pulled me into a hug. I couldn't respond. I just froze. She stepped back and smiled even brighter. Ariel, this is your Uncle Thomas. The little girl waved and smiled. It's a pleasure to meet you, Uncle Thomas, she said in a chipper tone. Ariel, Mara's favorite Disney princess. I cleared my throat. Uh, uh, hi, Ariel. I looked up at Mara. Do, do you want to come inside? I'd really love that, actually. Mara walked inside. I can't stay long, but oh man, when did you get ripped? Even her laughter sounded tired. Uh, three years ago. I wanted to get in shape. Do you want something? I didn't even know what to say at this point. In the light, it was so clear she'd been through some serious stuff. Saying she'd gotten a lot thinner is understating it. She looked skeletal. Her once vivid eyes were now dull and too large, like they were ready to roll out of her skull. Her fists were all bruised up, and she had a black eye that wasn't quite hidden under her thickly applied foundation. I'm fine. Really, it's just been a bad week. Mara gently pushed Ariel to the couch. Sit right there, honey, okay? I'd never seen such a well-behaved five-year-old in my life. Like a prim little angel. Ariel walked over to the couch and sat, her bare feet dangling a few inches above the floor. I turned back to Mara. What happened? Where's Bradley? Just saying the scumbag's name made me feel nauseated. Mara's gaze dropped to the floor. He didn't even see Ariel get born, she grumbled. Oh dang, I'm so sorry. I rested a hand on her shoulder. Mara jerked away. It's fine, she yelped before coughing a few times. She wrapped her bony arms around herself. It's, it's fine, I, 
I found someone else to stay with, but I, I can't. I, I can't stay there right now. Not right now. Oh God, what have you gotten yourself into, sis? Well, you're welcome here. Mom and Dad really miss you, I said. Um, Mara chewed her bottom lip. Can you do me a solid? Don't tell Mom and Dad I was here, really. It'd be great if you didn't tell anyone. You work from home, right? Most of the time, I frowned. Why? Can you please watch Ariel for a day? I looked at the tiny girl on my couch, my niece. What will you be doing? Don't ask me that. Mara shook her head. Just don't leave the house. Don't let Ariel near the windows. Are you in danger? Just promise me, please. At this point, I had two theories about why my sister was wigging out. Either she had gotten herself into an abusive relationship and was on the run, or she had completely lost mind on drugs and was a nutcase. Either way, I knew I had to help. Sure. She could sleep on the couch, right? I, I don't have kids. I know literally nothing about caring for a kid. Mara wrapped me in another tight bear hug. Thank you so much, she sobbed, nearly crushing my ribs before stepping back. I'll be back tomorrow night, I hope. I, I love you, Thomas, I'm, and I'm sorry. You are right. With that, Mara slunk out the door and into the night, like she'd never been here. This whole time, Ariel sat on the couch, her hands neatly folded on her lap as she kicked her feet back and forth. I coughed a few times before sitting next to her. So, when's bedtime? I asked. Again, I don't know how to deal with kids. Ariel giggled, and I saw more bits of my sister in her. The smile, the way her nose wrinkled when she was amused. You're funny, Uncle Thomas. Can I color? She asked. I might have some colored pencils and paper somewhere. Listen, I love that they make coloring books for adults nowadays, and I'm completely in on the fad. So in about 10 minutes, I had Ariel sitting at my dining room table with some paper and watched as her tiny fist clutched onto a bright pink pencil as she drew a shape that could have been a horse or an airplane. I tried to fill the silence with conversation. That went as well as you'd expect. So what's your favorite color? Pink. Do you go to kindergarten yet? I stay with mommy. She's taught me my ABCs. Do you have a pet? We're not allowed to... Um, do you like snakes? I have a snake. That had her pause. She stopped her scribbles and looked up, her eyes wide. Wow, you have a pet snake? She said with a gasp, her face lit up with delight. Yeah, his name's Popcorn. Finally, something I could distract her with. Come on, let's go see him. He's in my room. Popcorn is a corn snake I adopted about a year back. A friend had to move and couldn't take him with. Since then, he's been my little buddy. Ariel squealed as I flicked on the light and ran to the other cage in my room. Mice! She pointed at the cage of small white mice wriggling around. Yeah, those are my other buddies. I laughed as I walked up to the cage. Come here, Popcorn. I lifted him out. Are we gonna feed him? I turned around to see that Ariel had one of my mice curled up in her hands. Oh, honey, no, I laughed. The mouse in question seemed content and it wasn't like she was dangling it by its tail. Popcorn already ate recently, and uh, those aren't the mice he eats. Can you put him back in his cage now? Ariel shrugged and gently placed the mouse back inside the cage. Can I see Popcorn now? She extended her arm expectantly. You probably won't want to crawl on your arm, sweetie. I knelt down and carefully lifted Popcorn forward. He's a bit shy and... 
popcorn naturally slid from my hand onto Ariel, twisting around her arm, and I swear he never looked more content. My jaw dropped. Are you a freaking parcel tongue or something? I said. I don't know what that means, but snakes like me. Ariel leaned her face forward, slitting her eyes and staring at Popcorn, who flicked his tongue out a few times before slithering forward, crawling around her neck and hanging loosely there. Father says it's because they know I'm their friend. Father? I thought your mom said your, your, your dad wasn't around. Ariel looked puzzled before she burst out laughing. Oh, no, 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 no. Father isn't my daddy. I don't have a daddy. Father is all of our father. I felt an unpleasant chill go down my spine. What, what is this father like? I asked carefully. He's very kind. Ariel grinned and nodded her head. He reads from the book every morning and makes sure that we all know right from wrong. One of my friends, her daddy, is the father, but he's not my daddy. He wants us all to stick together. Last week, he chose me for something really important. What was that? I had to know. What the heck had Mara gotten into? Ariel glanced out the window. Well, I I'm not supposed to say, but... Ariel giggled and clapped her hands. I'm going to be the daughter! What? I had no idea what to say to that. Re really I found myself looking out the window as well, almost expecting someone to be there. And what does that mean? I have no idea. Ariel removed popcorn from her neck and handed him back to me. I'm hungry. I'm going to get something to eat, she said before running out of the room. I settled popcorn back into his cage and gently ran my finger down his back. I'm going to kick Mara's butt when she gets back, I grumbled before heading back into the kitchen. I saw Ariel peering into the freezer. Do you want pizza rolls, Ariel? It might have been close to midnight, but I had no idea when she'd eat and last. Or chicken strips. I heard a crunch and the sound of chewing. No thank you. Swallow. I found something yummy. Another crunch. Frowning, I walked up to Ariel. Honey, you can't just eat something frozen. I turned her around and the words died in my mouth. Ariel was clutching my bag of frozen feeder mice in her hands. Her mouth smeared with blood. What the hell? Ariel! I grabbed a paper towel and wiped off her face. Jesus Christ, kid, you don't eat mice? Why not? Ariel cocked her head to the side. Popcorn eats mice? Well, you're not popcorn. Oh shoot, Mara's gonna kill me. I groaned and put the feeder mice back on the top shelf. She'd have to dig past the frozen bread to get it. How about we have some pizza rolls instead? Ariel pouted and crossed her arms. I don't want pizza rolls, she grumbled. Can I go to bed now? I ended up just putting Ariel to sleep on the couch. I was done. That was my limit. Children eating fucking frozen mice? I woke up about midnight to see her standing over the mice cage. The lid had been taken off and her head was cocked to the side. I almost sat up and asked what the hell she was doing when she opened her mouth and something long and thin fell out of her mouth, plopping onto the floor of the cage. For a second, I thought she had popcorn in her mouth, but a glance confirmed the popcorn was still chilling in his cage under his lamp. Ariel's tongue slowly felt its way around the cage, slithering around until it touched one of the sleeping mice. I don't know why they were asleep. They were usually jumping around this time of night. Her tongue slowly wrapped around the mouse and lifted it to her mouth. 
It hung limply in its grasp until she brought it into her mouth. Then it jerked about, and I heard it squeal before she brought her jaws down on it. That crunch was one of the most horrifying things I'd ever heard. Humming pleasantly, Ariel skipped out of the room and back to the couch. In just a few minutes, I heard her softly snoring. I didn't get a wink of sleep the rest of the night. Ariel's been a normal kid all day, but I can't shake that image out of my head, of her tongue just dragging that mouse to its doom. I counted them to make sure, and one was absolutely gone. But what's worse is that Mara's not come back. I've tried texting her, but apparently her phone number belongs to someone else now. And I swear, I've seen the same car drive past my house five times today. I don't know what to do. And I'm scared of what I'll see if I wake up tonight and see Ariel again. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Had an incredibly frightening experience last night, and wanted to know if anyone here has ever had a similar encounter. So, last night I was at a classmate's house, working on a group project we have due tomorrow. I live in an apartment in the town where our university is located, and my classmate lives at his parents' house, which is in the foothills just outside of town. In order to get to the house, you have to drive along a relatively secluded and narrow two-lane road for about five to six miles. We started working on the project at about 6pm, and I ended up hanging around for a while, after we had finished. So I left his house pretty late, at about 11pm, and started down the road back towards town. I didn't realize how tough it would be to navigate the roads at night. There were no streetlights, and the road was unkempt, and riddled with potholes. On top of this, I had no cell service, so I had to drive very slowly, to make sure I didn't blow out any of my tires, since I had used my spare a couple of weeks back. I figure I was about three miles from the house when I rounded a tight corner and saw a pickup truck with a camper shell parked diagonally across the road. The manner in which it was parked completely impeded my path and I couldn't drive around it because there was a gully on both sides of the road. The only way for me to go at this point was backwards, where there was a pull-off that I could use to turn my car around. At first I couldn't see inside the cab. But when I turned on my high beams, I saw that there was a man slouched over in the driver's seat, his head resting against the steering wheel as if he had been knocked out after a bad accident. I immediately sensed something was wrong. The way his car had just coincidentally come to rest in a position that totally blocked the road was a big red flag for me. I had heard stories of people playing dead in the road as a way to lure unsuspecting people out of their cars so they could rob them. I decided, screw this, and elected to go back to my classmate's house and explain what was going on. I threw the car into reverse and kept my eyes darting back and forth between my rear view and the truck. I looked and saw that I was almost to the pull-off where I could turn around. When I looked back, my heart skipped about five beats. The man who had been slouched over in the driver's seat was now walking at my car at a hurried pace, while a few other men jumped out of the camper shell and started moving towards me as well. I panicked and accelerated backwards towards the pull-off, which messed up the undercarriage of my car pretty bad. As I put it into drive, the guy was already at my passenger side door tugging at the handle, which, thank lord, was locked. 
I only caught a brief glimpse of him, but his face appeared to be scabbed and leathery. Definitely a meth head or some sort of drug abuser. I sped away and didn't slow down at all until I reached the house, constantly checking my rear view to see if they were following. Thankfully, they didn't tell me, and when I reached the house I explained what had happened to my classmate, and we called the cops. I was grateful that my buddy's parents were kind enough to let me stay the night. They didn't find anyone on the road matching the description, but I filed an incident report, and they told me they would be on the lookout for similar vehicles and suspicious activity. I'm still so shook up over it. I keep getting the same adrenaline rush I got when I saw the guy charging me whenever I think about it. My friend went crazy. Later found out she sent a guy 65,000 texts after one date and broke into his house. A lot of people may have heard about this girl. She was all over the news after she stalked a guy, bombarded him with 65,000 texts and broke into his house all over one date. We met shortly after she went on that one date with him, and we were friends for a while before she broke into his house. At first, she seemed like a nice, albeit quirky person. I met her when I spent a couple of months visiting the west coast of the U.S. in summer 2017. I thought she was cute, and we spent a lot of time together. We were living next door to each other for a few weeks, and we were never really more than friends. I stopped having any sort of non-platonic feelings after she started to talk a lot about a guy she had met on some dating website. Apparently, he was her soulmate, and she had somehow been guided to him by following her birth calendar. I would only later come to know that they had only been on one date, and he never spoke to her again. I thought that was weird, but I enjoyed our conversations for the most part, and she was funny and nice, so we remained friends. Eventually, she moved on to short flings with a guy and then another girl from Tinder, all the while still talking to me about this guy that she was going to marry, saying she liked how jealous he got when she would tell him about hooking up with other people. A couple of weeks later, she started to get really erratic. I confronted her a few times about how she was acting, and she told me that she had recently stopped taking her meds, but would start taking them again. She came home one day and decided to tell me that she had a court date coming up for a DUI. Her plan was instead to leave the country and go to South America. I told her what a dumb idea that was, and even though she actually went all the way to the airport in a different city, she wound up coming back. Apparently, her soulmate was no longer answering her texts, and she took that as a sign that she should drag her butt back to where he was and fix their relationship. She was upset that he might be seeing other people, even though it seemed okay to her that she was seeing other people. Later on, she told me she had texted him and said if he blocked her, she would know that meant he wanted her to come find him. Obviously, he blocked her. Obviously, that didn't go over well with her. So she moved a couple of days later, and the summer was ending, and I moved back to the East Coast. I didn't hear from her for a little while, but then we started talking again through text and WhatsApp. She seemed like she was doing better. She told me she had found a roommate and was working on her art again, and just generally seemed like she was in a better place. I was happy to have my friend back, and healthy, but that didn't last longer than a couple of months. Eventually, her behavior started to seem erratic again. She was sending dozens of texts at a time and they were all over the place. Several of them had to do with her soulmate and how she was still following him even though he had called the police and blocked her. I told her to stop, tried to get her to take her meds and tried to reason with her a hundred times. I was on the opposite side of the country and had no way of getting in touch with her family, 
who I never knew much about, or friends to try and get them to help her. She was a kind person and a good friend when she was taking care of her mental health and I cared about her, but I couldn't force her to take care of herself. One day I set aside some time to call her, and I told her that she was overwhelming me and that she really needed to reach out to her family or someone who could help her. She told me I couldn't do that because she needed to stay with me or she would have to go back to her ex-husband. I don't think any of this is true, but she thought her ex-husband was going to have her killed or followed. That he had the entire police force in his pocket and had paid off her family to give him intel on her whereabouts and what was going on in her life. I had just moved for a job and I lived in a small studio in a big city. I had no room for anyone to stay long term, and I wasn't about to do that anyway since she was starting to scare me at this point. She asked me if I was still living at my address, which really freaked me out because I'd never given her my address or put it anywhere online and she wouldn't tell me how she got it. I asked her to leave me alone and told her we couldn't be friends anymore unless she took some steps to get better. She obviously didn't take this well. Though I hated my tiny, cramped apartment, the reason I was drawn to it was because it had great security. It was actually on the upper floors of a hotel, although the hotel rooms were much nicer than the residence and no one was allowed through to the residence elevators unless the resident had given their name to security ahead of time and the guest had to show ID. After what happened next, I loved my cramped little apartment because the staff kept me safe. It had been over a week since I talked to her because I blocked her number and blocked her on WhatsApp. She tried texting me from four different phone numbers using text free, etc. But I just blocked them all and never responded. I was walking home from work one day and I was sure I saw her across the street from my building. But it was storming out, and I didn't get a good view. I rushed upstairs and calmed myself down in my apartment. Maybe I was just being paranoid. It's a big city. Lots of people have brown hair and glasses. I'm just worried about her. But then the phone rang. The desk was calling to see if I had gotten to let them know I had a visitor. My heart sank. I asked them who was waiting. They said they tried asking for her name or ID, but she just walked out, and I knew it was her from the way they described her. I texted a mutual friend from over the summer. I wasn't really close with him, so we hadn't stayed in touch, but he told me she had lost it, and that he had blocked her too. Apparently, she had gone back on the dating site she had met her soulmate on and found someone who looked just like him in my city. She was convinced it was him and had come to find him. This was a very touristy city. But there was just no way this guy had coincidentally come out here. I was sure she had gone bonkers, and I knew she was well aware of where that guy actually lived. I took a page out of her book and used a text-free number to text her that she should leave me alone and that I would call the cops if she ever came near me or my building again. In retrospect, I shouldn't have contacted her at all, but I was emotional and not using my better judgment. She texted back immediately, saying she just wanted to know if I could help her find something. I didn't reply and ended up deleting the text-free app so she couldn't reach me again. I lived in a very crowded area, and I knew she couldn't get into my building, but I was still scared whenever I had to take public transit alone at night, or was walking through less crowded areas to get home. I had a friend who used to work for the police, but not in this city, or at the time this all happened, and she would drive or walk me home from work whenever she could for a while. She told me I should go ahead and report it, even though they couldn't really do anything since she hadn't hurt me and nothing really happened. But I was embarrassed, and again, I didn't use my better judgment. I felt like it was my fault for engaging with her for so long. I knew she was mentally unstable, and I would still try to be her friend and help her, 
Maybe I gave her the wrong idea that I could do more for her. I ended up moving to a new city for another job after that, and didn't hear from her again. I later found out the reason why was that a couple of months later, she had once again gone back to Arizona and had been arrested for breaking into her soulmate's house and using his bathtub. They found a large knife in her car. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. 